0: I'm Dr. Ward. I'm Dr. Ward Bond and I welcome you to Life Changing Wellness Episode 14. Today we've talked to an inspiring breast cancer survivor who helps women embrace their breastlessness and be confident. So stay tuned for another life-changing episode. This is Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness. Life-Changing Wellness. Here's Dr. Ward Bond. Well, welcome, everyone. Before we begin, if we could, if you could just do me a favor, please head over to iTunes after the interview with my guest today. Rate and review the show for me, which I would greatly appreciate. And I encourage you to look up my show page on RadioMD.com slash Dr. Bond. Well, in 2006... Carrie Goldberg was a young mother of two girls who discovered a cancerous lump in her breast. Over the next five years, Carrie would experience a double mastectomy, chemotherapy and radiation, biologic therapy, and clinical trials. The removal of her ovaries and uterus and daily hormone therapy that finally rendered her cancer-free. Carrie learned about a company called Handful from a neighbor and finally found the answer for her search for a bra that would work for her breastless body. Now, realizing that there were other modern, active, flat, and fabulous survivors who might benefit from the Handful bra, Carrie enthusiastically went to work managing survivor relations for the company. Welcome to the show, Carrie.
1: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, you know, let's start off and talk about uh, your cancer diagnosis.
1: Well, I first felt the lump when I was breastfeeding my second daughter, and I thought the responsible thing to do would be to wait for my annual appointment, which was three months away. That proved to be a fateful decision because in that three months of feeling it every day and wondering and worrying, it actually doubled uh, and then doubled again. And by the time I got in, I had nine positive lymph nodes and the cancer was aggressively spreading. So I guess my first piece of advice to anyone out there listening is not to wait, just to call right away. You don't have to be the perfect patient who tries to follow the rules. It's like sometimes you have to break the rules and be your own advocate.
0: Well, you know, what? wow. You know, the thing that uh, strikes me at this very moment is that you found this lump while you were breastfeeding. You know, what did the doctors have to say about that? Is that something that's relatively common, but we don't really talk about that?
1: I... I think that some women, when they feel a lump, their immediate instinct while breastfeeding is to say, oh, it's a clogged milk duct, it's probably nothing, and maybe to wait and see if it goes away. Uh, Now, looking back with my first daughter, right after she was born, when my milk first came in and my breast exploded, I remember in that exact same spot where the tumor grew, feeling inflamed and actually a painful lump, which they always say cancer doesn't hurt, I realize now that that was the beginning flaring of like the estrogen because my cancer grew from estrogen, but I had called my OBGYN at that time in New York City and they just prescribed an antibiotic over the phone and I never even got it checked. It went away, but always throughout the years, that breast felt different. And, you know, I I believe that if uh, cancer is palpable only after eight to 10 years, that obviously that was the beginning stages of it.
0: Well, you know, you bring up a good point about uh, women who discover a lump. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've heard this story many, many times where women just kind of overlook it, either out Mm -hmm. of fear or they think, oh, I probably have fibrocystic breast disease. I have, you know, fatty uh, tissue or cysts Mm -hmm. that have formed and they just kind of blow it off. But I agree with you. If you find something... You, it's best to know early because in many cases, you know, women could have it treated with a simple lumpectomy and Correct. move on with their lives without, you know, because you, you said they found it in nine lymph nodes and that's that's pretty yeah. big.
1: It's pretty big and, and it was just aggressively spreading and having lumpy breasts or a fibrous breasts is definitely something that women who have that problem, like, you need to be the expert on where those lumps are and follow them and know that, yes, this is this was there every month. It gets a little bigger, pointed out to your doctor. I really believe that no one's going to be the expert of your body more than you. So being, being on top of where those places are and not being afraid to go to your doctor and say, hey, can you feel this again? Maybe do an ultrasound, especially if you're a woman under 40 where mammograms aren't really effective.
0: Ah, that's uh, that's some very good information out there. I think a lot of women don't realize that. that they figure that if the doctor tells them to have a mammogram, if they're 30 years old, they just mm-hmm. do what the doctor tells them.
1: Yeah, and I was super fortunate because when I went to my ob and I said, you know, I've got this thing, maybe can you look at it? And he said, smooth, round, movable, all benign characteristics. And if he had stopped there, I definitely wouldn't be here today, but he said, just to be safe. You know, let's just send you for an ultrasound. So that was the moment that I feel like my, one of the first moments where my life was saved. I was very fortunate along the way to have great care out here in Portland, Oregon.
0: Well, you know, you went through this whole ordeal for five years, and do you find that an ultrasound for most women today should be uh, done at the same time as uh, as a mammogram?
1: You know, these are difficult questions because I understand that the high cost of screening and, you know, how many lives do we really save in actuarial tables and and those questions. But of course, for me and the population that I belong to, women diagnosed premenopausally, I would advocate for ultrasound, yes, and also, you know, more expensive scans like MRIs when necessary. It's just, you got to be the squeaky wheel because the first pass is always going to be no, denied, but. Because I, I also didn't have any family history whatsoever, so there weren't there weren't going to be any easy ways for me to get that additional screening where I'd ask for it, except for continuing to to call and say this is really bothering me. Please check, please check. So, uh, well, what, yes, I would advocate that. But you know, go
0: ahead. What was what was you know how were you dealing with this for the over you know over a five year span of focusing on beating this cancer, you have you have two young girls, and I'm sure that played heavily on your mind. And to go through the surgeries, the chemo, the radiation, even clinical trials, that tells me that even with clinical trials, maybe the chemotherapy and the radiation weren't working at that time?
1: Correct. So my I started out, because of those nine positive nodes, there was no like, let's talk about surgery. It was chemotherapy right away. We had to deal with the systemic spread. It wasn't what was happening in the breast. It was where it might be setting up shop in other parts of my body. So we did chemo first and then went to surgery, but when they cut it open, it was still alive and dividing and it hadn't even touched it. So then I had to take both breasts, then radiation and that, you know, we hope created a deadened landscape in the local area, but still systemically, there were floating cells that hadn't been killed by chemotherapy. So that's where the clinical trials came in. And I also was HER2 positive, and so I got biologic therapy through this amazing drug, Herceptin. But none of, those, none of the treatments I had had were small molecule enough to cross the blood-brain barrier. And so the clinical trial drug, where it was double-blind, randomized, and this was the second place where I believe I'm alive today because I got into this trial and I was sick every day for a year, so we were pretty certain that I got the drug. But that's what prevented brain tumors, which HER2-positive disease loves to go to the brain. And I just fortunately got a next-generation drug that I believe was FDA-approved this summer. And so that was, what, 11 years ago, 10 years ago that I got that drug. Um,
0: So, well, is this this drug now part of generalized breast cancer therapy, you know, for those that uh, have that particular form?
1: I, I'm not sure when the, when the levels will change, but I think right now it's only approved for metastatic women. So still, like, because uh, I wasn't metastatic, I was late stage three. Um, just the way that the drugs work, they don't usually give all the drugs to early stage women right away. They, they wait until you need it later. But I'm right. hopeful that over the years, as they see good success with it, that they'll start to make it first-line treatment.
0: Well, let me ask you this. What do you think are the most important factors in reaching the 10-year survival milestone?
1: For me personally, uh, doing everything that was offered to me, including the t- clinical trials, was number one. Like, I, I believe in the importance of mindfulness and yoga and eating healthy. I think food is medicine, and what you put in your body three times a day is powerful. But I believe it has to be in concert with that w- Western medicine piece. And so I did everything that they Offered to me, even if it was very, made me very sick. But then in addition, I took care of the things that I could control. And I believe that the intersection of cancer and fitness is where some very powerful stuff is happening for me in my body. I had a hormone positive tumor that grew from estrogen, and studies that I've seen come out have shown that the circulating estrogen in your system is reduced with regular exercise. So I just try to keep my body moving every day whether it's walking the dog or taking a run or going to yoga just constantly adding that as part of how I have to get through every day to support my body staying healthy because I'm at the 11 year mark right now this month.
0: Well, congratulations. And Thank I think you. yeah, you know, <laughs> you are you are saying a lot of things that I believe that millions of women have not heard before. And so, so I, so I'm very happy that you're you're here on the show today because you're giving information that really needs to be talked about more, expanded upon. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, in this day and age, I think we're very aware of breast mm-hmm. cancer, but yeah. we need to be more aware of the therapies that are actually available. But at the same time, you know, other therapies that are in the works that hopefully, some way, somehow, people like you and others uh, will have a strong voice in bringing those uh, drugs to the forefront, like right yeah. now. We don't need to wait yeah. another 10 years.
1: Yeah, and that's why, you know, I am I have mixed feelings when October rolls around, and it's Pinktober, as we call it, yeah. and everything is for breast cancer. It's, we're all aware of it, and I just like to make sure that when people want to do something, that they're giving directly to research. Because that's really, I believe, where we're going to get those better results rather than, like, everyone's aware of it. Uh, I do think it's important to remind women to be their own advocates and look out for their own bodies. But focusing dollars on research is is pretty key, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, know, we always talk about how prevention is vitally important. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you stated that during your uh, own battle – you focused on the things that you could do, that's fitness, that's eating correctly. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people underestimate the power of fitness when someone's actually going through any type of cancer battle. If they are physically able to do something, yeah. just any type of physical fitness actually improves white blood cell count. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're doing any type of free weights uh in the type of exercise that helps to build up the bone, but that can also uh, strengthen bone marrow and its uh, ability to improve the function of the immune system. And it yeah. looks like you've done those types of things.
1: Well, I mean, you know, I will say on chemotherapy days when the steroids would run out, if all I could do was go down the block and back, that's all I did. But every day I would try to let's go around the block twice and three times, you know, as the days went on. And it, it's definitely, you have to listen to your body. There are days when you can't get up, but even those small movements, I did feel a tremendous mental difference and a physical difference, and I think helping move those chemicals through your body, that's helpful as well, and about bone building, uh, one of the nasty side effects of breast cancer treatment is osteoporosis and osteopenia that definitely affects your bones, and I did do another clinical trial that was an exercise trial where they showed that weight-bearing exercise and actually impact exercises did help ward off osteopenia setting in and uh, definitely helped women do better like their outcomes in breast cancer specifically were better so I'm very proud Uh, of having participated in that one too.
0: uh, Well you opened up a whole new health category there because a lot of people do not realize the importance of impact type exercises Mm -hmm. are actually directly related to building bone and Mm -hmm. I know that uh, at NASA When the astronauts come back from being in weightlessness for so long, that they actually get them to go through impact fitness to rebuild the osteoclast and osteoblast within the bone to gain that strength back again. Now, that's fascinating. Oh, it's amazing research. Now, in your in that uh, battle mentally, was it your uh, two daughters that were the main focus that kept you fighting and? moving forward to know that you're going to do whatever it takes to beat it?
1: I definitely had in my mind when that little baby was in my arms that I wanted to see her get on the kindergarten bus. And so I just started to think if I could just get there, because that also would coincide with the five-year mark, which is like really the holy grail for for survivors at, at the outset. Like you want to get to the five-year mark, because that's where all the numbers look better and better. And then, of course, 10, 10 is great, too. Oh, Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, but, but definitely they were a primary focus in helping pull me through. And people would say, oh, how can you do this with two small children? But I actually think that the humor and the, you know, just the focus on them kind of took the pressure off me. And every time I would look at them, I would say to myself, I would do this twice over to prevent something like this from happening to them. And so I think it, it took me out of my woe as me and just kept me in, in like fighting spirit.
0: Well, you know, we all know that uh, cancer is not a respect for persons, and it can strike anyone at any time, and uh, it can hit hit healthy people as well. Well, how has the health crisis, how did it lead you in finding your purpose?
1: Well, I lived as a, you know, the first five years were just focused on surviving. So that's really, I was in active treatment for five years, and I was fortunate to have a flexible job where I could write and Edit from home, but I wasn't I didn't also have a full-time job. So when that five year mark ended, I kind of threw myself back into life in earnest and started talking to people around town and working out at the gym. And it just so happened that a neighbor introduced me to this woman who was creating the sports bra. And in her mind, she also wanted it to reach survivors, but she herself wasn't a survivor. I met her thinking, I've lived for five years as a double mastectomy, no reconstruction, flat woman. I'm fine with my body. I've accepted these scars. Like, I don't need a bra, but I'll go meet her. Well, I didn't realize that over the course of those five years, I was slowly rounding and becoming concave and maybe psychologically trying to hide what was missing. I didn't really realize it, but my doctor was noting that I had shrunk half an inch in height. So wow. I met this woman, I put this bra on and I looked in the mirror and it was like a light bulb went on, just brilliant light, like flooding my being with, "Oh, um, this is me. I remember who I was. It started to make me stand up straighter. And I think if a foundation garment is important for a normal body, someone who has had extensive repeated surgeries, because I had two failed lumpectomies before I had the double mastectomy where they kept trying to excise more and more cancer from my chest. I need a foundation garment to help me keep my body upright. And within three months, I went back to my endocrinologist and she said, what are you doing? You just grew half an inch. So this bra literally changed my life and I have not taken it off in five years. I mean, I take it off every night and I am still happy that I'm me underneath. But as I go out into my day, I don't think about what's missing and that noise between my ears is finally quieted and... I just feel like I can be my highest, best self, and we're talking about a piece of fabric. So if that's the case for me, I want to make sure anybody else who makes the choice to not reconstruct has this as an option if they want to wear prosthetics on the outside of their body. Because being flat, you don't have to wear anything if you don't want to. But I just found that after five years, I needed to. So this is an option for me. And when I'm at the gym, no one needs to know that what's in my handful bra. Like I look just like everybody else except my bra is cuter than theirs, and that's actually a pretty good feeling because <laughs> the things that are in the mastectomy stores are, are not things that I wanted to wear, which is also how I ended up just wearing nothing.
0: Well, I, that would make perfect sense. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, you know, what type of stories have you heard from other women that, uh, you know, just like you, you know, they put on the the handful bra and mm-hmm. the light bulb comes on?
1: Well, I'm fortunate in that now that I've become a part owner of the company, I get to travel around and we spend a lot of time with women at, you know, fitness events or uh, women's nights and being in the the dressing room in those moments when you're fitting people, whether it's a survivor or not, we all have very complicated relationships with our breasts, whether it's breastfeeding, gravity, weight gain, weight loss, all the things that go on, like seen women put on the bra and see themselves, just themselves shining through. And like that, I have that moment. I'm lucky to have that moment a lot. But when we do get a survivor, because it is one in eight of us, that's when the magic happens. Because a lot of times it is the things that they didn't know that they were looking for, or it's just a way to taking off those heavy silicone forms that you wear on the outside of your body and replacing it with the foam that's in our bras that we give to survivors for free. Anyone who's lost a breast to cancer, we give the prosthetics in our bras for free. Those are wonderful moments where you can really see somebody just accept and love their bodies again and realize that they can get back out there. Like, I was in the back row in the darkest classes, changing in the bathroom stall, not in the main locker room area. Like, I, I, there's no reason for that. Like, we should all be proud of our bodies and sometimes we just need a little bit of help to get there. And if we can provide that encouragement, that's that's a win for us.
0: Well, you know, it's amazing because I'm very impressed with you. I'm going to say that right now, and I, I truly mean that. And uh, I, you know, you know, the story that I'm hearing from you, and and I know there's millions of other women who have gone through mastectomies and emotionally and mentally. It's very damaging to them in many ways, but Mm -hmm. do you find that going through a double mastectomy, and I'm just talking about just you, um, that in a way you found your your true identity as a woman?
1: That's a tough one because of the society that we are living in that's very breast-obsessed, and when I had my ovaries and my uterus also removed in addition to both breasts and Literally every organ that made me biological, biologically female was taken away. At, at the end of the day, I still feel like a force of femininity to be reckoned with. And so, yes, I think I found who I really am, but it's not like I always wanted to get rid of my breath. Like I loved my body before, and I took very good care of it and was healthy, and I still got cancer. So it's hard for me to thank cancer for giving me my purpose because I've lost so many friends who aren't who didn't get the drugs that I got or didn't have the outcome because a lot of times it's not a failure of what you did or didn't do it's just cancer sometimes wins. Yeah. Um, but yes, I am I definitely found who I am and who I'm meant to be through a healing crisis and I I never thought that that would be possible.
0: Well, you know, so explain a little bit more in a little bit more detail for especially all of the uh, female listeners out there you know, what is the handful bra? And if someone is to purchase one, what do they get?
1: So for, for all women, handful is an active company. We used to just be the handful bra, but we've been working hard and expanding to leggings and tops and just went, like supporting the active lifestyle because we all just, we need more pieces. So a handful bra is a pocketed Sports bra has optional modesty padding because no one needs to know whether you're hot or cold. If you're in yoga class and then you roll to the freezer section at the grocery store, no one needs to know whether you're hot or cold. But if you don't (laughs) want to use the pads, you can take out the pads and ditch the pads. But for a survivor, the pockets can be used to stack three of our pads, and it makes a lightweight wash-and-go prosthetic. No one needs to know what's in your handful, whether you're a survivor or not. So in that hidden pocket that a regular woman, quote, unquote, would stash a key, a credit card, a lip balm, we put our pads for survivors. Um, every survivor we consider a special customer, and even though we're an L8000-approved mastectomy bra, and we're talking about the same bra that a normal woman wears, but a normal woman would just buy it and be supporting the one in eight of us who have cancer. Uh, it's an L8000-approved mastectomy bra bra but sometimes it's difficult for people to get it at their mastectomy shops because it's not being carried nationwide. So we give a direct discount of 30% to any survivor in the country who wants to try the bra. You get a 30% discount for life. You're one of our BFFs, our breast friends forever. Um, If you are flat and fabulous like me, you would get the two additional pad sets, the same setup that I wear, you would get sent with with the bra that you buy. So... It's kind of like a full, a full, the full meal deal would be a handful bra with three sets of pads in each side if you were double flat. But many women who've gone through breast cancer have reconstruction. Bra stills great for you too. Uh, you would still get 30% off.
0: Oh, well, you 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 basically answered the, the next question <laughs> I had. Now, when I, what about uh, women that have had a single mastectomy? Mm-hmm. They can still benefit from this bra.
1: They can absolutely still benefit from this bra. They can either use their existing prosthetic and put it in the pocket, or they can try the pads with one natural breast on one side, padded on the other. That's a little bit more of a specialty case, and I I prefer to work with those people one-on-one trying to help maybe sculpt how the other side should look. We can use different size pads for that. And this is where, like, my dream someday of being in more mastectomy providers would be helpful because then we'd have people in stores being able to personally fit women who have special cases like that where weight and balance is more of an issue.
0: Now, can uh, women go online to uh, to look this up?
1: Absolutely. Ham- Hamful.com, they absolutely can go online and they can find me on there and I'm happy to work with women one-on-one who have any questions about how this works and how we can help them.
0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, especially you ladies who are listening to this episode today, you can head over to Handful.com. And like Carrie said, they are there more than willing and ready to help you. Uh, Well, be the woman that you are. Uh, Just if you've gone through cancer therapy and had a double mastectomy, that does not diminish your femininity. And uh, wow. and so, you know, w- today I believe that uh, women have a voice. Women should be empowered. They have something to say, and they're definitely world changers, Carrie, and you're definitely one of those.
1: Wow. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, you're very welcome. And ladies and gentlemen, remember to catch every episode of Life Changing Wellness. Just hit subscribe on iTunes or on my show page at RadioMD.com slash Dr. Bond. And if I could just ask you a small favor, please take 30 seconds and rate the podcast on iTunes. The reason being is we want to attract more people like you to the show. And the only way we can do that is for you to review and rate it, which helps us to get more visibility. So if you could just do that for me again, I'd greatly appreciate it. You can learn more about me at drwardbond.com and check out, again, my show page here on RadioMD.com drbond or iTunes for all of my episodes. Thank you for listening to Life Changing Wellness. I'm Dr. Ward Bond. Have a blessed and healthy day.